Um, just over a week ago, I'd got an idea of what I was going to speak on um, this morning. And then during the worship last Sunday, that all changed. Um, and then Rob spoke and that confirmed the change uh, in my mind. And um, it just became obvious as to what I should be speaking on. Hopefully I can do it justice. Um, I thought for a while before saying this next bit, and I've got it in my notes, but wasn't sure whether I was going to say it. But I will, although it does sound a bit grand, but I don't mean it that way. Um, last week, Rob spoke on God's devotion, on us being devoted to God. And um, I just felt that today, what I've got to say, what God's given me to say, is his response, wow. is God's response in that he was so pleased to hear that we are devoted to him. He wanted to tell us how much pleasure he takes in us. And so this morning I am going to talk about how much pleasure God takes in us, God's pleasure over us. And I really believe it's God's response to us. Just over a week ago we had Bible school on Friday night and we were talking about salvation and it was, if you weren't there, you missed a sensational evening. It was brilliant. I, I just, it was so good. Um, and Joe kicked it off with talking about the fall and talking about why we need to be saved. And after he'd finished, we all knew we needed to be saved. It's not the most cheerful start, but it just puts us, puts everything in the right context and says, yeah, you know what? This is where we are without God. And then I spoke on, um, well, I, I addressed three questions. How are we saved? What are we saved for? And how do we know we're saved? And um, it was one line from there, really, that, that, that God brought back to mind for me during the worship last Sunday. And that was one of the reasons we are saved is for God's pleasure. Yeah. One of the reasons he saved you was the pleasure it gave him. That's amazing. It's an incredible thing. And uh, so this morning, that's what I want to look at. I want to look at the, the, the biblical basis for that. So I am going to show you from the Bible that, that that is true. And then how that should affect us, how we react to that and how it should change us. I'm not sure it fits really into the devoted series. But there we go. <laughs> I'm going to do it anyway. Maybe it's devoted to God's pleasure. Um, maybe that's what it is. I ran out of time to do PowerPoint slides. I apologize. So there are no slides um, and there are lots of biblical references. So that's probably I should have done some slides. But there we go. Um, so let's start with defining pleasure. What is it? What is pleasure? Well, I looked at the dictionary. Well, I looked at dictionary.com. It's um, the way it goes now, isn't it? And it said this, it had lots of meanings, and I've picked out a few. The state or feeling of being pleased. Enjoyment or satisfaction derived from what is to one's liking. I didn't phrase that. That's how the dictionary phrases it. I don't talk like that. Um, gratification and delight. I particularly like the next one. Worldly or frivolous enjoyment. Fantastic. Recreation or amusement. Diversion, enjoyment. This is the one that really... I think helps us a cause or source 
of enjoyment or delight or a pleasurable quality. So actually, when you talk about God's pleasure in us and over us, it's because we are, and we've got to grasp this, we are a source of enjoyment and delight to God. How mind-blowing is that? Day to day, that's not how I see myself as a source of delight or enjoyment for God, but it's true. So let's dig into the Bible and have a look what the Bible says on this. What we're going to do is just a bit of a tour through the Old Testament and, and, and some into the New Testament as well. So let's start with Psalm 147, verse 11. There's lots of little verses. You might not want to look them all up. Psalm 147, verse 11 says this, but the Lord takes pleasure in those who fear him, in those who hope in his steadfast love. So do you hope in God's steadfast love? If the answer to that is yes, then God takes pleasure in you. Not just in your actions, but in you. And that's an important distinction, which we'll we'll pull out more as we go on. But it's in you, not what you do. God takes pleasure in. Psalm 149, verse 4. For the Lord takes pleasure in his people. He adorns the humble with salvation. That's a fantastic line. He adorns the humble with salvation. When you humble yourself before God and say, God, I can't do this on my own. Correct. I humble myself before you and and I'm yours. He then adorns you in salvation. He clothes you with salvation. He clothes you with righteousness. And he takes great pleasure in adorning you with righteousness, in, with adorning you with salvation. Let's look at another verse. These verses get better and better, I think, as we go along. Ezekiel eighteen thirty-two. For I have no pleasure in, de- in the death of anyone, declares the Lord God, so turn and live. God has no pleasure in the death of anyone. So what does he have pleasure in? From saving people so they don't die. You see how that works? It's brilliant. It's amazing. These words, as they sink into us from the Bible, bring truth and set us free. We need to let this shape our thinking. This is where we should be shaped in the word. And guess what? It's not just each individual that God takes pleasure in. It's us Together, corporately, the book of Haggai, chapter one, verse eight says this. Go up to the hills and bring wood and build the house that I may take pleasure in it and that I may be glorified, says the Lord. So let me explain that. In the Old Testament, God wanted his house built. He wanted the temple built. The temple was where the presence of God dwelt in the Old Testament. And he said, build it and I will take pleasure in that. What's that now? Under the new covenant, that's us. God is building us together. We are the dwelling place of God. And so he takes pleasure in the building of his house, which is the building of the church. It's us. So God takes pleasure in what we're doing here today. God takes pleasure in that unity that Rob talked about earlier. God takes pleasure in the fact that we are here with one another. We're all so different. We've all got different backgrounds. We like different things. We do different things. We all look different. But we come together with a, with a unifying purpose to worship God. And God takes pleasure in that. Brilliant. 
And just when you thought it couldn't get any better, we come to this. Zephaniah chapter 3 verse 17 says this. Get ready, this is a good one. The Lord your God is in your midst. A mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exult over you with loud singing. That's what God is doing with us. Wow. Hopefully you're beginning to get the idea that it is biblical that God takes pleasure in us. But, like all good scholars, we don't just get one section of the Bible or just a few verses. We go into the New Testament as well. Let's see. Let's make sure it's all consistent. I've only picked out a couple of verses here. Luke chapter 12, verse 32. These are the words of Jesus. Fear not, little flock. That's us, by the way, if you didn't know. For it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. God gives us the kingdom. We're saved into his kingdom. He gives it to us. He takes pleasure in doing that. Philippians 2.13 For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Our father took with what we saw in Ezekiel as well. He takes no pleasure in our death. But this is more. We're not just saved. We're saved and given the kingdom. We've got a part in God's kingdom to rule and reign with him. What this is showing is it's not just God's pleasure for a time, but for eternity. There's no end to God's pleasure. It's vast and forever. It's never ending. And you have a part in that. We've got an everlasting kingdom. God has set us up to be recipients of his pleasure forever. And in Philippians, that verse in Philippians where it says, for it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure shows us something really, really important. The pleasure of God that we are recipients of is not dependent on us being the finished article. It's not dependent on us being perfect because we are not and cannot be perfect right now. But God works in us to make us more like Jesus. Sanctification. And God takes great pleasure in working in us. So when you go through things and God is changing you, that brings him huge pleasure that he is at work in your life. Not that you're trying to do something. You can't earn his pleasure. There's nothing you can do to earn his pleasure. He just has that over you as he works in you and changes you. And guess what? The flip side of not being able to earn God's pleasure means you can't lose it either. God will never, ever stop taking pleasure in you. Never. Because it's not dependent on you. It's just there for you. As a great biblical illustration of this, and, and as I, as I um, sat listening to Rob last week and this was starting to formulate in my head, Rob started talking about the, the, the story of the prodigal son from Luke 15 and I thought, stop, stop. 
I want to use that next week. Don't say anything else. But he carried on. But I'm going to do it anyway. Um, the son had gone. OK, you know the story, probably the father, the son, two sons, an elder son and a younger son. And the younger son said, don't want any part in this family anymore. I'm off. And he said, give me my inheritance. And I don't know whether you know this, but to ask for an inheritance before the father has died is basically the son saying, I'd rather you were dead. That's that's how big this is. Now, this is a big, big thing that he goes says to his dad, I'd rather you were dead. Give me the money now, which I would have if you were. I'm off. And he went and he squandered the money and he ended up completely broke. So he ended up in a field looking after pigs. Now, I reckon Jesus was a Jew. He was telling this story for Jews. Pigs are an unclean animal. <clears throat> Again, this is big. He was tending unclean animals. Something that in that community, in that, in, 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 they just wouldn't have even gone near them. This was how desperate he was. And he sat there and he thought, well, hang on a minute. Even my father's servants are better off than me. So I know what I'll do. I'll go back and I'll be my father's servant. That's what I'll be. So he had a whole little um, speech prepared uh, in his head and he goes through it. And he goes and he sets off. So Luke 15, 20 says this, and he arose, that's the son, and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, this gets me every time. While he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran. Now, again, in that culture, an elder man would not run. It's undignified. It's beneath him. He ran, embraced his son and kissed him. Looking, waiting. Was it just by chance he happened to be looking out the door that day? No, he was there looking, waiting constantly. He was watching out for his son. There was a compassion, a care. And he ran to meet him. He became undignified and ran to meet him. And then he said to his son, hang on a minute, you stink. Go and get a shower and then I'll give you a hug. No, he didn't. That's not the story. He didn't get cleaned up. He smelt of those unclean animals. His father gathered him into his arms and embraced him and kissed him. That's just incredible because it's a picture of what God does with us. God went through the indignity of his son coming and dying for us. Completely innocent, taking our place, taking the wrath of God on him. We were as far away from God as we could ever be. There was no further we could have been. But he came running to us. Why? Because it gave him pleasure to do that, to come to us and embrace us. It gave him pleasure to do that even though we were filthy, even though we couldn't come into his sight without what Jesus had done. The way the father felt about the son is the way God feels about you. Each of us. That's how God feels about you. Let that sink in. He comes running to you and he says, it's all right. I've got you. You're mine. 
It's amazing. Hopefully, we're getting the idea now that God takes pleasure in us. However, it's one thing to know it and another to live it and live in the good of it and let it affect us and change who we are. You see, I've got a bit of a theory. It might just be based on me because of what I'm like. I'm hoping I'm not on my own here, otherwise I'm going to look very exposed. We are all a bit like the prodigal son. You see, as I said, the son was preparing a little speech. And in Luke 15, verse 18 and 19, it says, I will, this is him uh, rehearsing his little speech. And he says, I will arise and go to my father and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. What he's basically saying there is, God, saying to his father, I'll come back to you, but I'll earn my way back in. I'll earn your acceptance. Uh, I'll pay for it by by being a servant. You see, my theory is this. We get the fall. okay? and I don't think that's really that difficult for us because we know ourselves. We know what we're like. I know what I'm like. I get the fall. I know what I'm like. We know we're fallen, just like the prodigal son. We know what goes on in our heads, in our lives. We get that. But I think we struggle more with knowing and understanding God's pleasure over us because we are a bit like the prodigal son and we want to go and earn it. We feel better for that. I want to do something. You know, if we get something wrong, what do we do? We, we want to earn our way back into God's good books, don't we? But we don't have to. We can't. We're bad. We're fallen. We're proud. We lie. We cheat. We get it all wrong. We're not perfect. But by God's mercy and grace, he saved us and it gave him pleasure to do so. We can't earn it. It's free. It's a free embrace from the father. That's what Rob was talking about in the end last week. The father comes and he just embraces us and he gets us and he says, don't clean up. You can't clean up. Do you know, this really, in the end, goes back to our identity. And I know that Rob's preached this and others have preached this here many, many times about our identity. And I'm sure I'm teaching you what you already know, but sometimes we just need to hear it again. Do you know who you are? You are someone who God takes great pleasure in. You are not defined by what you do. You are defined by who God says you are and what he thinks of you. That's that's your definition. That's who you are. You are who God says you are. I think we sang that, didn't we? Um, Was it last week? Zephaniah 3.17. We've read this already, but I want to look at it again. Because we need to let this soak into us. The Lord your God is in your midst. A mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exult over you with loud singing. So the Lord God is in your midst. Yes, he is. We know it. We, we know that. We experience that. We've experienced it today. We've felt it. It says he's a mighty one who will save. Again, yes, we know that. God is mighty enough to have defeated death by allowing Jesus to come, die in our place, to take our punishment, to take God's wrath on himself. That should have been ours. 
by right. It should have been ours. We deserve the wrath of God. Because we just turned our back on him. But Jesus took it for us. I wonder if we could just respond to that, actually. Can we stand together just for a moment? Let's just spend 30-odd seconds, half, half a minute. Thank God for Jesus. Thank Jesus for taking the wrath of God on himself in your place. Let's do that right now. Let's, let's thank God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for taking that. Thank you, God. Thank you that you took that in my place. Okay, let's move on. I think it's good sometimes. It's we know we're saved every day, but how often do we stop and just rethink God and say, and and do you know what? God takes pleasure in what we've just done yeah. together. It does. And then that part in Zephaniah says this: He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exult over you with loud singing. This is not just a smile and a pat on the head. This is the word exult. God will exult over you. What does exult mean? Back to dictionary.com. It says to show or feel a lively or triumphant joy. Rejoice exceedingly. Be highly elated and jubilant. Do you know, just as I arrived, I thought I didn't look up the root meaning of that word exult. What does that original word in the manuscripts, what does that mean? So I looked it up just, just now, and it said that the word that's used, the, 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 um, actually it's not Greek, is it? it's Hebrew. The, the Hebrew original says it means to spin around and make violent movements. That's what it means. God is spinning around and making violent movements in absolute joy and pleasure over you and me. <laughs> That's fantastic. I don't know Hebrew, by the way. I just looked it up. I've got an app. So, yeah, just, just. Yeah. I know. Don't want to appear cleverer than I am, which I know I don't. Um, <laughs> That's how God acts over you. This is really important, and we really need to understand this if we want to live in real freedom. This is important. Our circumstances are not an indicator of how much pleasure God is taking in us. If you're struggling right now, if you're going through a tough time, I want you to know that it's not because God is displeased with you. It's not. God takes pleasure in you. Okay? We've got to get this. We've got to understand this. There's real freedom in this. If you belong to God, these verses apply to you no matter what your circumstances are. Your circumstances, in one sense, are irrelevant. And I know they're not overall. They're important because God's teaching you through them. Equally, if life is pretty good right now, you've just got to know it's not because you've earned it. Because <laughs> God's given it you anyway. Either way, 
It's because God has given it to you. God takes pleasure in you no matter what your circumstances. He may well be choosing to bless you right now. Enjoy it. Thank him for it. Enjoy the rewards of probably where you've been through the valley. Enjoy being on the mountaintop. But equally don't forget, when you're back in the valley, when you're back in the times where God is teaching you through hard times, know that he is still rejoicing over you with pleasure. He's still spinning around with excitement over you. Do you know, I really struggled to write this because I don't always think a lot of myself. And I struggled to do this. Being totally honest with you, I didn't like writing some of this. I was a bit grumpy last week for various reasons to do with work. And um, I'm sitting there being grumpy and writing this. You can't stay grumpy when you're writing this and you're thinking about this. I need to think about it more. And now I've said that in public I will probably get reminded. (laughs) Remember what you said on Sunday? Oh, yeah. I'm not grumpy anymore. It's also important to know, and in this age of instant messaging and social media and all that kind of stuff, we often find out about amazing exploits of of Christians all over the world. And um, they can often appear like super Christians. I got up today and before breakfast I saw a thousand people saved. You know, those kind of stories. We need to read. Sorry, I'm exaggerating, but it was only 500 last week. No, I'm <laughs> sorry. Um, they're good stories and we must rejoice in them. But what we mustn't do is write ourselves off in the light of them because we're not seeing what they're seeing and thinking that we're somehow substandard. Actually, God takes the same pleasure in you as he takes in, in, in anybody who's doing anything for him. And while we rejoice in those, what we also do is know that God takes pleasure in you where you are and with what you're doing for him because he's called you to be there. So if you're just, say just, there's no just in any of this because God's called you and that's a mighty thing. If you're in a workplace and you're not, you think, I'm not sharing the gospel, I'm not doing this, I'm not doing that. Do you know what? You're there acting with integrity being God in that place, being Jesus to them, in the way you are, in the way you act, in the way you treat people, God takes pleasure in that. Just as much as if you'd got up and seen a thousand people saved before breakfast. <laughs> God takes pleasure in you because you're doing what he's called you to do. You're in the place he's called, he's called you to. And because you're his, quite simply. Again, it's not because of those things that he takes pleasure in you. He takes pleasure in you and then you do those things. God has called you to be right where you are doing what you're doing unless he's moving you on. It doesn't take more pleasure in other people just because what they're doing is more visible. It takes pleasure in you because of who he's made you to be. It's great, isn't it? Isn't that freeing? Doesn't that bring great freedom? So let's sort of wind up now. I've not spoken for as long as I thought. It's great. That's unusual. (laughs) But it's simple, really, this, isn't it? So three things to finish with. How should this change us? What, 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 What should we do? Well, firstly, God's pleasure is already there for you, in you. So you don't have to do anything to get it. 
God takes pleasure over you already. Okay? So hopefully that's an encouragement. Secondly, I think we need to be a little bit easier on ourselves. God doesn't condemn us. So why do we think we've got the right to condemn ourselves? Don't write yourself off because God hasn't. God takes pleasure in you. He sent Jesus for you. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So do you know what? Ease up on yourself. Give yourself a break. And understand that you can just sit there in God's pleasure. And understand that he just rejoices over you. So do you know what? Sometimes rejoice over yourself as well. (laughs) Why not? If God's doing it, why don't you? Why don't I? I'd never thought of that before. But maybe we should. And thirdly, and this is the way I want us to respond right now, is thirdly, we, we need to respond by being in God's presence and worshipping him. You know, sometimes someone will preach and it's a very practical, you know, you can go away and you can do this. And you go, yeah, I can take that away and I can do it. But other times it's not like that. And I think today is not like that. It's more a case of being encouraged and just Getting it into our heads, understanding that revelation that God is singing over you, exalting over you, spinning around and clapping and shouting and singing loudly. Just let it, let the words of scripture sink in. Allow the Holy Spirit to root them into you, to build them into you.